0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. Okay, I hope you brought your sermon notes with you. I'm sitting at a table today. You may not be able to tell that because I'm going to be depending a lot on my notes. There's a lot to say today and... Um, I'm just going to take my time. I'm going to look a lot, but it's worth it because what I'm talking about today, I guarantee you will be relevant to you in your life. In fact, I'm going to offer you a money back guarantee. Actually, we don't charge anybody, do we, to come to this? No. Okay, but you understand what I'm saying. Like, it's relevant. It's important. In fact, I can tell you four times this week I've encountered this issue just here, uh, in the ministry of our church. So it is important. It, it is very relevant and practical. So make sure you have those notes. Let's take our time together. I'm going to take my time and go through this, but I want to, I want to begin by just, um, reminding us that we are talking about breaking free from things in our life, which hold us back. And perhaps for you, you're aware of a habitual sin in your life, a hurt that you've been carrying, um, an attitude which is not helping you whatsoever. And I just want you to think about that. I want you to stop and ponder what that is that, you're, that you need to break free from. Could okay, you have it? Now, I want you to do this. Say it to yourself. I need to break free from... See, being stuck... And this area is like being stuck in a dreary, looming valley, which rains all the time. It's not a pleasant place to be. When we moved out to British Columbia, uh, it was hard on my wife because for the first 23 days, it rained. <laughs> uh, we were not used to that. 23 days of the rain, every day it rained. And it just kind of weighs on you and doesn't do great things for your outlook in life. But as you stand in the gloom of this valley with these hurts or hang-ups or um, uh, habitual sins, these habits, I want you to see standing before you a mountain which rises above the clouds into sunny meadows. And you want to be there. You want to leave the doom and the gloom of the valley below to experience the mountaintop. You want it so desperately to climb this mountain and leave these sins, these hurts, these hangups, which weigh you down and hold you back. You want to leave them behind you. Here's what I would like you to do. And I need you to know as you stand in the valley, looking up to the mountain of freedom, no one can ever climb a mountain by just looking at it. It is only in the process of taking steps one at a time that we discover the mountain. We don't scale mountains by just looking at them. You know, we we don't discover the mountaintop experience by standing below merely looking up going, boy, I wish I could be there. We must set out, right? We must set out and take steps. And often these steps are so difficult, so challenging. If we're going to break free from the valley below, discover the mountain, we need to take those steps. And that's why a lot of people are stuck and don't break free because they don't do that. They don't follow through and do that. They want it. They look up and they say, yes, I'd like to be there, but never take the hard, difficult, challenging steps to to climb up that mountain. And I just want to encourage you this morning because for hanging on in this series because a lot of these steps we've looked at so far uh, to get up this mountain and break free are not easy ones to take. I know that, right? There's a reason why so many people do not break free because it asks of us some very challenging choices to make in our life. Staying stuck. We often allow that to happen by making excuses, by rationalizing why we're here. But we never or we very rarely set out to take the concrete steps to actually break free from them. So we have talked about how we need to humble ourselves before God. That's one difficult step. It's hard to admit that I'm not in control and I need to humble myself before God who is. Many people will not even get past that first step because of pride and stubbornness in their life. We talked about how we need to confess our sins to ourselves and, and to God and as someone we trust. It's hard to admit that, you know, maybe the problem, a lot of the problem, most of the problem, maybe all the problem is with me. Not everyone else out there, it is me. And it's very difficult to confess that. We talked about committing to God and not giving up or letting go so he can lead to us to make the necessary changes we need to make in our life. And again, that's so Difficult because again, we're giving up control and trusting God that you know better than I do and I'm willing to yield my life and follow the path and the decisions you're asking me to make. Because I want you to bless me, Lord. What I'm doing isn't working out so far. I need you to bless me so I'm going to trust you and commit to you and follow through on what you're asking me to do. And all of these break-free choices are based on, we said, the Beatitudes that Jesus taught in the Sermon of the Mount. And this week is no different. We'll be looking at two Beatitudes that work together to make up our next healing break-free choice. So one of the Beatitudes is Matthew 5, 7, where Jesus says, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And the second one in verse nine, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. And from those two Beatitudes that Jesus teaches us, we get our number six choice in the Break Free series. It's called the Relationship Choice. And Relationship Choice says this, Evaluate all my relationships, offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me, and make amends for harm I've done to others, except when to do so would harm them or others. So today we're focusing on relationships. We all have them. They are part of everyday life. And we're going to carefully consider how and why we need to offer forgiveness to people who have hurt us in our life, in these relationships. So I want to ask this question. Why should we forgive? And the very first answer is because God has forgiven you. We heard this story this morning. Sam read for us in the scripture where Jesus spoke about an unforgiving servant. There was a gentleman, a servant who owed the king a great debt that he could never pay back. But he's sitting there begging the king, to the king, please give me more time and I'll pay it off. But there was no way he ever could. And the king just decided to forgive him of his debt. And that servant, we read, we heard how he ran out and found someone who owed him just a few dollars, very payable, and and he took this other man and he choked him and said, give me what you owe me now. And the man, the servant was begging for mercy, please just give me more time. But this unforgiving servant said, no, and had him thrown into jail and to prison. In the end, when the king hears about what happened, he calls back the unforgiving servant who he canceled the great debt, with and was so angry and turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until his debt could be paid back, which was never. And when you and I hear that story, we, we feel this anger and rage and sense of injustice building up in us. How this hip, hypocritical servant that, that would be willing to accept for, to be forgiven by so much from the king and yet refuse to give forgiveness of so little to someone else. How dare he accept the forgiveness of the king and not give it, to a fellow servant and we say, I'm glad he's in jail. I'm glad he deserves what he gets. However, at the end of this story, Jesus says to us, he reminds us, oh, by the way, this unforgiving servant, it, that's you in this story. That's me in the story. And we snap back and say, no, Jesus, no way. I am not that selfish. I'm not that way. I'm not hypocritical that way. I don't deserve, you know, I, I, there's no way that I would ever do that. But Jesus says in the very end of this teaching, we heard Sam read, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. And so he wants us to understand that we need to forgive because God has forgiven us of so much. And suddenly we understand the seriousness of our unforgiveness. Jesus says that this is our story and he knows we'd be angry at this unforgiving servant. He wants us to know we are guilty of the very same thing those of us profess to be forgiven so much by God, we're guilty of the same thing when we do not offer forgiveness to another who's indebted to us. If we want to find complete healing in life from hurts, this is what we have to understand. There is no room for unforgiveness, and the followers of Jesus Christ. Boy, we find that, that challenging. We find that so difficult. And um, I was reminded of this week, I said four times of this, and one of those instances was um, I have the privilege of every week of coaching about eight pastors from across Canada. They're Anglican priests, majors in Salvation Army, alliance pastors like myself. And we just happened to be talking about this area of forgiveness the week before last. And it's a struggle. It's challenging. These are ministers. These are people who have been preaching and living a Christian life for some time. And I could sense that it challenged them. In fact, at the end of our session, I said, "How many of you right now are dealing with a hurt and offense that you're having struggling to for- to give offer forgiveness for?" And three of them raised their hands. So we spent the rest of our time together praying for them because we know how important it is to forgive, because God has forgiven. Us. I'm sure all of you, uh, especially older people like me, have a favorite hymn that you like, which has a lot of meaning to you and speaks to you. And one of my favorite hymns is called Freely, which carries a message, the kind of message we're talking about today. And Freely, you know, the very first says this, God forgave my sin in Jesus name. I've been born again in Jesus name. And in Jesus name, I come to you to share his love as he told me to. And then the chorus says, he said, freely, freely, you have received. Freely, freely, give. Go in my name, and because you believe, others will know that I live. The message of that we receive freely from God, and that's true of forgiveness. We must be prepared and ready from our heart to give freely. If we're going to discover freedom from those hurts and those offenses done to us by others, we need to be ready to do that because we've God has forgiven us. We are to forgive others. And part of the reason why we struggle with giving forgiveness freely is because we don't understand what forgiveness is and what it isn't. I just want to take a moment just to make sure, and you may know this already, but I find sometimes when I talk to people in counseling, they may not understand all of these aspects of what forgiveness isn't, okay? So, forgiveness does not mean that approving of someone of what someone did to you. And when you forgive someone who's hurt you, you're not saying to them, what you did was okay. You're not saying, you're not telling them, it did not matter. It did. And it does. And what they did hurt you. In fact, that's why you're struggling with this. You're wounded. And yet you're willing to cancel the emotional debt they owe you. You forgive them. Forgiveness does not mean, number two, pretending that an offense has not taken place. By forgiving, you're not whitewashing over what they did to you. You're not treating it like, oh, that didn't really matter. It took place, it happened. Don't ignore it. Don't deflect away from it. Number three, making excuses for another person's bad behavior. You know, you're not making excuses for them saying, oh, well, they didn't really mean it or they couldn't help themselves. That's not, forgiveness doesn't mean that. Forgiveness does not mean restoring a relationship when it is not safe to do so. That is so important. By forgiving the person, you're not having to restore, I feel like you have to restore our relationship with them. Telling the person you forgive them before they are ready to hear it or before you are ready to hear it is number five. Number six, what forgiveness does not mean? Canceling negative consequences. If their actions brought negative consequences upon themselves, it does not mean that the punishment that they have entailed, that you're to wipe it and, and take it away. If someone steals from you in their charge, they must pay the consequences for their actions. You don't cancel them. You don't do that. If if, if you know the consequences that forgiveness doesn't mean you just cancel consequences. You forgive them. They don't owe you, but they must own up to the consequences of their actions. Number seven, forgiveness does not mean trusting, this is important, trusting when reliable behavior on their part is absent. Trust and forgiveness are separate issues. Trust has to be earned back. Forgiveness is just given. I remember, uh, it was my sister's birthday this week, and so we're remembering a lot of stories that happened in our our youth, uh there was a time when we were teenagers, yeah, I think really young teenagers, and my sister was getting ready to go out and she had those one of those big combs, you know, with a big handle on them back in the day, you know, this honking handle and you combed your hair. And I said, Can I comb your hair for you? And for I was so surprised that she said, Yes, you can comb my hair. So I started combing her hair uh and, and, and she had this long, thick hair, and I started twisting the comb up. Like this is fun, twisting all the way up to the top and realized, uh oh. This comb is stuck. This comb isn't coming out. <laughs> you can imagine the horror of my sister with a big comb stuck in her hair, sticking up like this. And it was July, it was summertime, and she had to go out, and we didn't know what to do. So my mom was a nurse at the hospital, so she put a toque on in July and was walking, we we're walking down this hospital with this, obviously, something under the toque sticking out, looking very ridiculous. And the hospital couldn't do it. So we had to go to a hairdresser, and they broke it free and put a lot of grease in her hair to get this comb out. Well, I'm I want to tell you, my sister never let me comb her hair again. Trusting when reliable behavior, behavior on their part is absent. Um, obviously, I'm not reliable to, to comb someone's hair. Um, she never asked me to do it again. Don't feel like you have to ask um, you know, somebody uh, for their trust. You have to trust them again. Trust is earned. Forgiveness is given. So that is why we forgive, we've been asking, and 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 the second reason, well, because well, first of God we forgive because God forgives us, but secondly, and this is this is so important, because resentment doesn't work. Job it says in the book of Job, resentment kills a fool and envy lays the, the simple. And we already heard this morning Jesus telling us God blesses those. So that is he 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 brings happiness and satisfaction, fulfillment in their life. He blesses those who are merciful For they will be shown mercy, as they freely give, they freely receive. And Jesus said, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. The truth is, and that we can resent someone for what they did to us and and we feel by not forgiving them, we're hurting them back. I, I can tell you I've been guilty of that. Someone has hurt me. And, um, I want to hurt them back. So I just hold on to this unforgiveness, hoping they realize what they've done and, and that they're stuck now because I, I, I feel this anger and this rage towards them. But you know what I discovered? Those people who offended me are not losing any sleep over what they did. I am, but they aren't. And they're, they're living their life free from guilt. They're not even thinking about what they did while I'm sitting there stewing over, over and over and over again with anger. I've heard a saying once which helped me understand. Um, what this is like to put this kind of behavior into perspective. You've probably heard this too, but it says, when we refuse to forgive, it is like we drink poison and think the other person's going to die. I read a quote this week that said this, as long as we are unable to forgive, we keep ourselves chained to the unforgiven. As long as we aren't able to forgive, we keep ourselves chained to the unforgiving. We give them rent-free space in our mind, emotional shackles in our heart, and the right to torment us in the small hours of the night. Resentment doesn't work. It just hurts you. doesn't hurt them. So how do we forgive? We understood why we must forgive? Because God forgives us. We must freely forgive others. How can we accept God's forgiveness? if We're not willing to give that out. And secondly, because resentment doesn't work. we—it does not. It's not healthy. It's not helping us when we hold on to that. We think it might hurt that person. All it does is hurt us. So how do we forgive? And there's, a, again, a lot of notes here today. So I just want to take my time, but write this down. Reve- it, why do, how do we forgive? You reveal your hurt. You reveal your hurt. When you are hurting, You can repress it, you can pretend it doesn't exist, but it does. You can ignore it, try to push it out of the way, which never works because our hurts always pop up in the form of some way of lashing out. Have you ever noticed that when we hurt, when you hurt, you tend to hurt others around you, those closest to you, those who are innocent of the offense, but you're hurting, and hurting people hurt people, and we're, you know not willing to own up this, to this hurt, we will hurt others around us. So don't try to ignore it. Don't try to suppress it and convince yourself that's not a big deal, that it doesn't matter. You, must, you need to admit the hurt. If you don't admit it, you will not deal with it. Can I say it again? If you don't admit the hurt, you will not deal with the hurt. You can't get over the hurt until you admit the pain. If you want to close the door on your past, if you want to get closure so certain people don't hurt you anymore, you can do it, but there's one thing you have to do in your life. And I love this saying, there is no closure without disclosure. There's no closure without disclosure. You must own up to yourself this truth. That hurt. It was wrong and it hurt me. And once you admit that to yourself, then you'll see you'll be in a position to forgive them. You can't forgive a hurt that you will not admit to yourself. Secondly, how do we forgive? You release the offender. The second step in forgiving an offender is releasing him. Well, how does that work? Well, let me let me give you a question that I've had people ask me uh, a lot of many times. When do I release the offender? When do I do that? The answer is simple. Now. You don't wait for the offender to ask you for forgiveness. I've tried that too. I'm I'm speaking from experience today to you. I remember people have hurt me and offended me. I said, someday they're going to come back and see the the, the wrong of their ways and say, I'm so sorry. I feel so good. That doesn't happen. You're going to wait and wait and wait and grow angry and angry because they will not come. You've got to release them now. Don't wait until they come and ask you for forgiveness. If If you have to make a choice to do it, you have to make a choice to do it independently of that person coming and asking you. You do not do it in waiting for them. You do it now. And you do it for two reasons we looked at earlier. You, do, you forgive them now, even when they don't ask, because God has forgiven you. Bible says Jesus died for us while we we're still sinners. He initiated the act of forgiveness before we even knew what we had done. And secondly, because resentment doesn't work. Forgiveness is not, and you know, this is not a one shot deal. Those feelings of resentment are going to keep coming back to you. Every time that, you know, that they do, you must forgive them again until you have fully released that offender. It is a process. It is not just a day, one happens in a couple of days or a couple of weeks sometimes, even a couple of months, sometimes years. Speaking from experience, it takes time and it is a process, but you must understand, believe how important it is for your own well-being. How important it is you release the offender, not for their sake, but for your sake. So here's a very important question in your notes. How will I know if I fully release the offender? And the answer is this. You'll know when you can think of them and it doesn't hurt anymore. I can speak from experience for that too. When you think of them and it doesn't hurt anymore. I know that I've released them. You'll know when you can pray for God's blessing on their life. When you can begin to look at and understand the hurt they that the hurt they feel in their life, realizing that, that hurting people hurt people, for them to do that, there must have been something hurting in their life. I learned from uh, uh, someone in, in my young days uh, who um, offended me of, uh, physically, beating me with a, with a chain as a young boy. That later I found out that his mother had lefted him and abandoned him in a subway station in Toronto. And to grew up in foster care. Had to go into the army because he had no family. And no wonder this man hurt so much and would take it out on others. And so I was able to forgive him, in fact, in his deathbed, able to lead him to the Lord because I'd released him. I was able to lead him and bless him that he accept Christ into his life and be forgiven, not just by me, but more importantly, by the Lord himself. It's so important. When you can think of them and it doesn't hurt you any more, when you can pray for them and bless them and lead them to the Lord. You keep forgiving until thoughts of that person or offense doesn't, aren't associated with the hurt. And you may not completely forget. I'm asking you not you to completely forget, but you can release the offender and let go of the pain. Someone uh, shared with me this week of someone who really hurt them deeply years ago. I mean deeply. And just this week, they shared with me, they had a dream about that person and they're in cardiac arrest. <laughs> and I would know that there's times in their life that they would probably just watch that person die and be glad. And yet in his dream this week, he kneeled down and gave, cardi- or gave CPR to that person. And we both knew that was a big step that he could think of that person and not still experience the hurt that he wouldn't want to save him. That's what we're talking about. It's always wise to release the offender face-to-face. Is it always wise? Nope. I'm not telling you to do that. Um, to bring up old hurts may be not be productive or it might not be kind to them. I know if it's your parents, I know that if you come back 20 years later and said, what you did hurt me might overwhelm them with the pain that you felt. You may not be able to find some of these people. They may have died. They may have remarried. They may not be have moved away. So what do you do in those situations? How do you, here's techniques that, that have been suggested and have helped that I know that other people have done. Um, and I just would encourage you to try this. One is called the empty chair technique. You sit alone with an empty chair and you imagine the person that you need to forgive sitting in that chair. And you say, out loud you say, I need to say some things to you. Here's how you hurt me and you lay it out, you hurt me this way, and this way, and this way, but I want you to know I forgive you, in God's name I forgive you, because God has forgiven me, I'm releasing you. You may have to do that. Another very effective way is the letter that you never send, right? I've done that one. And in this, this letter you put down in black and white, how this person has hurt you. You write it out. This is, this is what you've done. And you've been carrying this hurt for so long. And now it's time just to unload it. And so you write it out in a letter. And at the end, you say, by starting today, I forgive you because God's forgiven me. Starting today, I forgive you because God's forgiven me. And you don't send the letter, but you went through the process of writing it out and reliving that and be able to say from your heart, I release you. You can release the offender so you can experience freedom. It's so relevant. I'm telling you that four times this week this has happened. One was a, a man that we uh, talked about forgiveness with. And he, had a, he came back and shared a story, a very hurtful story. And he said, just by telling you this, I found a new level of healing in my life. By just sharing this with somebody that you trust um, reveals mm-hmm healing, it's important that we write it out, that we say it out, and at the end we can say it. yet, I forgive you, I release you. So how do we forgive? Well, well, finally, replace your hurt with God's peace. You know, at some point, all this forgiveness it may start to sound really unfair to you. If I forgive this person, especially if I forgive my offender without them asking me, without them ever, without me ever confronting them face to face, you know, they get off scot-free. That's what we think. If I never confront them, or they'll just live their life and not even care. I've been hurt and they suffer no consequences. Well, this is where we have to trust God. We need to relax and trust that he will handle the consequences. He does a lot better job of it than you and I. You ever try to manipulate and pay back someone? Um, no. Leave it with God. Trust him. In fact, the Bible says in Romans 14 10 and thir- to 10 and 13 in part, it says, we will all stand before God's judgment seat. All of us will. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Everybody, that person offended you will give an account. If you feel like they've gotten off, scot-free, they will have to give an account for that one day. And they can't walk away from it. They can't deny it. They can't hide from it. So pray for them. Pray that they would understand what they've done so they can be forgiven. Verse 13 says, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another then. God is going to settle the score. He is the judge. He is just. When we learn to release our offenders, and allow God to be in charge of setting the scores, we discover a wonderful blessing of his peace. When we realize, God, you're going to take care of this. It's all in your hands and you are just and you are fair. I'm just going to relax in that. And there's peace in that. I will tell you the truth, the, the, the truth in the verse that's helped me personally when someone's offended me and has sought to hurt me, is what Joseph said to his brothers in Genesis um chapter 50, after his brothers had thrown him in the pit and sold him into slavery, and, and Joseph was wronged and wronged and wronged over and over again. And yet years later his brothers stood before him as Joseph was in a place of power, and they were fearful that he would pay them back for what they had done. Joseph said these words, which are one of my life verses. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for all good. Can you trust God for that, that people who tend to harm you, that God can take it and use it for good in your life? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for all good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. God is able and God will use even the hurt that, that, that weighs on you so much to accomplish more important things, better things than you could have done on your own. One of the, that, one of the fellows who was confessing, uh, sin, uh, confessing the need to forgive and, and found healing said it really built his character even. He's a better man today because he dealt with this. And it wasn't easy, it wasn't quick, but he dealt with it, released the offender, confessed it, and he says, I've, I'm, a, I'm a better man today because of what I've gone through. <coughs> That's a lot. And you may have to play this video again and, and pray through it and, and listen to God for it. We've come to that time in the message where we call take two, and I feel like we should take 20 today uh, because there's so this happens so much. I've dealt with it. You have dealt with it. You were maybe dealing with it would you just take these two minutes and say, God, wow, there's, I mean, this is such a relevant, practical part of my life. And, and just take two minutes and say, God, what is one thing you are saying to me this morning? Is there someone that, that I'm trying to deny who has hurt me and I'm trying to push it away There's someone I'm not willing to forgive and I should forgive and need to forgive. Have I accepted forgiveness from you from what deserves eternal death and I'm not willing to forgive someone of someone who just makes me angry? What is God saying to you? And then why was he asking you to respond to it? I believe this is the most important part of this morning because we are at the valley. We're saying, yes, I want to be up in the mountaintop, but God's saying, okay, this is what we got to do. Here's the steps you need to take. He's going to tell you in the next two minutes, in the next two days, and the next two weeks, in the next two years, he is gonna to talk to you and say, This is how you can break free from that hurt you experience and know the mountaintop experience of living with my peace and release from the resentment and the anger that you feel. Can I pray with you as we do that? Take these two minutes today. Lord, I we know how difficult this subject is because we have been hurt. And we understand what it is to resent and to feel angry and rage. But Lord, I know for me, I do not want to be that unforgiving servant who receives so much grace from you and forgiveness from you from sins that would, that the consequences would be eternal death to live forever without you. in the place the Bible wants the call hell. That's what I deserve. And yet you forgive me of that. So Lord, I do not want to be a hypocrite and not forgive my brother or sister of the hurts against me. I forgive because you've forgiven me, God. And I forgive from my heart, not reluctantly. Because I know that it, it releases not only them, but it releases me to not live in that hurt and that anger and that resentment. Lord, in this two minutes, would you talk to us about where we may need to forgive today, where we may need to extend that. And ask us how we can do it, Lord. We heard some suggestions this morning. But Lord, would you speak clearly to us in our situation, I pray. In Jesus' name. In the power of Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church. But also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m. and we look forward to seeing you soon and know that there is a place for you at the gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.